So last week was really good. We talked about Jesus, resurrection power of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about um, a man named Jehu. Now, I didn't even know about Jehu. Jehu. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure I'd read about him, but I didn't really get into his life until Ivan Roman came. Remember Ivan? And he he calls me up, you know, because he prophes- he'll prophesy over a cockroach if he sees it. That's Ivan. He's like Jamie Montero was the same way. Gershom, all these prophets, they'll just, bam, they'll prophesy over whoever. So he prophesied over me. And he's, one of the things I remembered, I don't remember a lot of that word, but I do remember he said, you carry like the spirit of Jehu. And then he said, John the Baptist. And I was like, I'll take the Jehu. Now, John the Baptist is pretty cool too, actually. But he said, you carry the spirit of, Je- spirit of Jehu. Now I'm like, okay, I got to go research Jehu. Because that was pretty cool. And then, the, I, and then I read about Jehu, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And so I want to talk about Jehu. And, I, and I'm going to encourage us to have a Jehu generation rise up in this hour. Because Jehu was a pretty important figure in the Bible. So um, we are going to go right into it. I'm going to preach again. I preached last week. I'm, I think I might preach again. We'll see if there's any jokes. I don't know. So, so Jehu was a man that we don't know much about regarding his personal life, but we do know how he responded to the call and the, and the anointing of God on his life. And you, and, and you can tell a lot about a person how they respond to the call of God. Like, what is your first reaction when God calls you to do something, especially if it's a little scary? What is your first reaction? Right? It's like, oh, oh no. And it's okay to have. It's okay to have. I mean, think about the great men of the Bible when God called them to do something. A lot of it was like, oh, me, God? No, I don't think so. But so Jehu was, uh, was a captain in the Israelite army, in the army of the Israelites, and he served under Ahab, and, uh, and then he served under his son, who were both very wicked kings. There were a lot of wicked kings in Israel, which is really sad. God's people were led by a lot of wicked people. So we know he was a captain in the army of Israel. You can read this out of 1 Kings under uh, the king was Joram. And, and like I said, most likely served in the armies of Israel under Joram's father, King Ahab. Wicked, evil leader. Jehu was a warrior and a protector. Now we've talked about Ahab before. You remember Ahab? We talked about him a few months ago. He had the distinct reputation of being the husband to Jezebel. Now, if that don't tell you something about Ahab, then I don't know what will. Who would marry this woman? I mean, God forbid you have a Jezebel for a wife. And I, and I see, husbands, I don't want to see, you better, I don't want to see any nods or anything. I'm seeing, I'm starting to, wives are like, you better. No, Je, Jezebel is nasty. Here's another thing. Um, this is not really a sermon about Jezebel. She just happens to be one of the characters of the story. But be careful of a person that sees Jezebel everywhere they go. <laughs> right? Everywhere, it's Jezebel spirit over here. Jezebel spirit. Every, around every corner, there's a Jezebel spirit. Well, stop looking around every corner for Jezebel. Because what happens is often when I hear this thing and there's whole conferences about the Jezebel spirit and there's whole churches that it's like every other sermon is about Jezebel. Jezebel's coming to the house. Jezebel says, maybe you're the Jezebel. 
attract likes, like attracts like. So, so this is not like to, to like highlight Jezebel, really. It's more to highlight Jehu, who had a calling to take out the Jezebel. So Ahab was the husband of Jezebel. Now Jezebel was terrible. She instituted the worship of Baal and Asherah, who is the mother goddess into Israel. She purged the prophets of Israel by killing them. Or at least she thought, remember there were 100 prophets left over that were saved by Obadiah. He put two, he, in two caves, he put 50 here and he put 50 there. But she was like, I want to rid, I want to rid Israel of, his, of God's prophets. I want to get rid of the mouthpiece of heaven because if I can get rid of the prophets of God, then I know that the people of Israel will start to listen to the, to the voices of Baal and they'll start to serve Baal because they won't have the mouthpiece of God anymore. So her whole deal was let's get rid of the prophets. That sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Let's get rid of the prophets of God. The prophets of God are telling you, well, the prophet said this, this guy would be president and he wasn't, so they all false prophets, so let's get rid of the prophets altogether. A lot of this story relates to what is happening today. I'm telling you, as I read this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So, so she had all the prophets rounded up and killed, of course, except those 100 were saved. Now Jezebel's prophets were the prophets of Baal. And it says in 1 Kings 18 that her prophets literally ate at her table. She dined them and wined them. She gave them what they wanted so that they would go and do the things that she asked. Not only did they dine literally at her table, I believe they also would just, any scraps she could give them, they would take. She had wooed them. She, you know, it was like this, you know, like this magic, like this spell. She had this spell over these prophets and she had a spell over her husband and anybody that like come in contact with, like she had this evil demonic spell and those who would fall into her spell were rewarded by her. So by silencing the voices of God, the mouthpieces of heaven, she could effectively silence God because all of Israel would turn their worship from God to Baal. And I said, and I wrote this, you see that in this time of Jezebel, we get a little glimpse of what's happening today, or at least what's trying to happen by a few loud mouth woke Jezebels. The mob is screaming and it's time to stand up to the mob. Now I'm telling you, when I was going over this sermon, I'm like, God, do you want me to preach this? This is like hard stuff. And I'm like, I want to kind of preach on release the dreamers, find your destiny, <laughs> do, your, do what God called you to do. That's what I wanted to preach. But he wouldn't get me away from this. I said, okay then. We just got to do what God said. And I said this, Few loudmouth Jezebels in this day trying to get modern day kings to bow to her demands. Do you know that in 2008, could you, that was 2008. I mean, years ago, this article was written. I wonder what it'll be written today. This article was written in U.S. News and World Report, and they, they wrote this, and I quote Jezebel was a killer and a prostitute, but she had a good side. Wow. 
They go on to describe her as a blood, quote, blood-stained, yet strong-willed, politically astute, and courageous woman. This is how the feminists view Jezebel. They call her the pagan god of fertility, as if fertility is something to be celebrated. 1 Kings 21-25 says that Ahab sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him to do it. Make no mistake about it. There was nothing good about Jezebel. But here's the good news. A man named Jehu was about to rise up and change a nation. Do we have any Jehus in this room? That will stand up and change a nation. That will walk into the work, to the work and say, I'm not going to bow to what you want me to bow to. If it comes contrary to what the word of God says over my life, I'm going to stand on the righteousness of heaven. Will you be courageous as a Jehu? So let's read about Jehu. This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 9. Now Elijah the prophet, um, chapter 9 verse 1. Now Elijah the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Gird up your loins. And take this flask of oil in your hand uh, and go to Ramoth Gilead. Now, gird up your loins. I had to look that up because that sounded kind of interesting. We don't really say that now. Caleb, gird up your loins. Sounds kind of weird. Lee, you better gird those loins right up there, buddy. I'm thinking like, you know, you pull, pull your pants up. Tell my kid, pull, gird up your loins, kids. It actually means this, to prepare yourself for something difficult or challenging. So Elijah says to his prophets, man, you got to get ready because you have a big word. You have a word, uh, the word of God that's going to change a nation. Get ready for some obstacles. So he told, the, he told the prophets, he actually picked one of his prophet students and he said, go, go and, and find Jehu. He says, when you arrive there, Search out Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and bid him arise from his brothers and bring him into an inner room. Now, in this story, sometimes I do this, right? There are different characters, and you sometimes play a different character. I don't know if you're the prophet right now that needs to go to the Jehu and say, here's the word of God, you need to go do it, or I don't know if you're Jehu. It doesn't matter. You're all together. It's all a Jehu generation, all moving together. So I don't know if you're the prophet that God's saying, hey, get ready for some challenges, but you got to get this word out. Or if you're Jehu receiving the word of God. But let me tell you something. If you're Jehu, make, you need to make a note of this. It says that um, you need to take him away from his brothers and bring him into an inner room. Sometimes there's a word of God for you that is so timely, that is so holy, that is so courageous, that is so necessary that the only thing you can do is get away from the detractors, even friends and family, because the word is so big that you can't afford any doubt or unbelief to creep into your heart. You can't take the chance of your brothers or sisters speaking unbelief over the word of God that is not only about to change the course of direction of your life, but it may in fact change the course and direction of a nation. And so you have to get away from people and you have to get into the inner room and the sanctuary and get in just with God and say, God, what are you saying to me? And you have to put aside even your brothers and sisters for that moment and say, God, I'm hearing. Because what happens is even, even people that have good intentions that don't understand the word of God on your life could cause doubt to come. These are good and good people. 
Elisha didn't say to grab Jehu and pull him away from his enemies. He said, pull him away from his brothers. Like the people that have been in, like with him in war. Like if anybody's ever been in the military, like there is a strong bond between brothers. Caleb knows this. We talk about this sometimes. I was in the Coast Guard. Hey, Coasty with the Mosty. Now he thinks that the army's better. Coast Guard was cool though. We got all kinds of cool stuff, although I get seasick, so there's that. But we were talking the other day, and, you know, I was in the reserve, so he, he, was, he, he was full-time, so he had a, I don't know, what do you call it, a brigade or unit or whatever, so he was constantly with people. So, but for me, it was like the boot camp experience for me was incredible because I realized there was such a, such a bond I had with these people that uh, weeks before, I had no clue who they were. And now we're in this, this boot camp together. We're going through this training together. And I was like, man, we're brothers now. And this is what Elisha says, take him away from his brothers. This word is so big, he can't have any doubt. And so verse 3 says, then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head. Don't just like, don't just give him a little dab on his forehead. Pour that bad boy all over his head. There are some churches where pastors actually do that, where they get the anointing oil and they just pour it on it. Don't, don't, don't do that to me. I don't want it. That, I don't want it that bad. Just, just give me a little. Some guys do the cross. It's good enough. It's good. Some do the little, oh, it's fine, whatever. I don't like the smell of it. Like usually it has a cinnamony smell. Kind of makes me sneeze. I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. But anointing, it is good to anoint people with oil. I'm just saying, don't, we won't pour it on you. Okay? And if you're like, pour the oil on me, I'll say, go, get, go to Lee. He'll pour it on you. I bet, I'll bet she's not here, but I'll bet Tony would pour it all, right all over you, actually. All right. And so then he says, take the pour it on his head and say, this is what the Lord says. I have anointed you king over Israel. And then it says, open the door and flee and do not wait. Why? Again, don't leave any moment for questions. Deliver the word of God and get the heck out. Leave him with me. If he has questions, he can talk to me directly. So this word was so big, guys. You guys have a word like this in your life. There's a word so big. That when the prophet comes and speaks it, there needs to be no added opinion to it. Here's God's word. Now, if you have questions, you can go right to your heavenly father. And so, so it says the young man, the servant of the prophet, went and he found him. He says to the captains of the army where they were sitting, he says, I have a word for you, O captain. Jehu said, for which one of us? And the young prophet said, for you, O captain. So it says he arose and went into the house and poured the oil on his head and said to him, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. And then it says, you shall strike the house of Ahab, your master. Now here's cool. Here's what's cool. Ahab was already dead. So he's like, you're going to strike the house of Ahab because the generations are still doing evil. And you're going to cut this whole thing off. 
This is what he was saying. And it says, that I may avenge, this is, this is what the prophet is saying, that I, God, may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off Ahab, every male person, both bond and free, in Israel. Sometimes that's what has to happen. God has to take out everybody. We're going to leave no trace of cancer in your body. We're taking it all. We're going to leave no trace of the demonic in your life. We're taking it all. Don't leave a little sliver of something. Well, I just want to hang on to this little bit. No, God says, if we're taking it, we're taking it all. You leave a little bit, there's a chance for that thing to grow. Uh Uh-uh. So he says, "We're we're, we're taking it all. And it says, I will make the house, verse 9, of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebet. Jeroboam was also an evil king. And like the house of Basha, another evil king, the son of Ahijah. Probably said that wrong. Then verse 6. Man, this is like, this would be a great movie. I mean, really. The dogs shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel, and none shall bury her. Then the servant opened the door, and was gone. I'm out. I gave you the word. Now I'm out. I don't want to discuss it. It sounds disgusting. I'm out. So there's Jehu sitting with the word of God to be king, not only to be king, but to take out the house of Ahab. It's a big word. And then what happens is when the servant leaves, He comes out to his brothers and they're like, who is that dude? They think he's crazy. They think the guy's crazy. What was this crazy guy talking to you? So Jehu's kind of trying to put it off as no big deal. But then his brothers, they know, you know, your brothers know you. They're like, no, you're lying. So they said, verse 12, it's a lie. You need to tell us now. And then Ahab said, okay, fine. Here's the deal. He said to me, I'm going to be king over Israel. In fact, he didn't just say it. He anointed me. This was one of Elijah's prophets, guys. And he came, he called me aside, and he anointed me as king over Israel. And then it says, they hurried, and each man took his garment and placed it under him on the bare steps and blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. The prophet has spoken. Jehu is king. So Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, conspired against Joram. There's a great story if you read in verse 14. At verse 14 down, there's a great story about he, how he's just taking out people, man. He's like, I have this call of God on my life. But there's something in the back of his head where he knows I have to, I have to take out Jezebel. See, Jezebel is, is talking too loudly. This reminds me of David and Goliath, right? This great story. We just, it's like a children's story, but there is something so powerful uh, in the teaching of David and Goliath. David was like, I'm tired of Goliath's big bad mouth mocking God and his people, and it's time to take Goliath out. And if nobody's going to do it, guess what? I'm going to do it. Jehu, man, everybody was afraid of Jezebel, but not Jehu. Jehu had a call in his life. I'm going to take this thing. I'm going to take this woman out. And so I'll just tell you what happens with, I might get into reading a little more of it, but 
So Jehu's going, going around. He takes out king, the king Joram. There's a battle. He takes out Joram. And then he goes into the city. And Jezebel gets word. They say, Jehu's coming. Oh, she's starting to get all, all riled up now. Now, here is, the, here is how Jezebel, this is the spirit of Jezebel. This is what the spirit of Jezebel does, how she, how she responded. She didn't flee. She didn't run. She didn't tell her servants, come on, let's get in the chariot and let's go. It says she got made up. She put on some pretty clothes. She got a little seductive. And it says she sat out on her, like, outside window. She sat on, the, like, you know, the window where you could sit on the window, especially Israel. Think about these houses where she's just sitting out on the window. And she sees Jehu coming, and she's ready. She's thinking, I've done this a thousand times with men not as even great as Jehu. Man, I've done this. I've seduced the greatest of men. And Jehu sees, sees her, and he's like, she's like, Jehu. Jehu, <laughs> let me let me read this. That was not seductive. <laughs> okay. So it says in verse thirty, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jez, Jezebel heard of it, she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. As Jehu entered the gate, she said, it is well. Then he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? He looked at the servants of Jezebel and those in her stead, and said, hey, who's on my side? Who is on the side of the Lord? This was his response. And then it says, two or three officials looked down at him. Sometimes all you need is a look. Who's on my side? Whew. I hear the call of God. Who's on my side? All I need is two or three. All we need is a couple to change a city. And it says they looked down at him. And, and, and I love this. He says to them, throw her down. That's what he said. No time for negotiation. Jezebel, hey, is it well? Are you, are you good? Are you okay? Come on up, you know, come on up. Let's have, a, let's have some fun. Let's do, no. No time, never negotiate. Never negotiate with the demonic. Never negotiate with woke. Listen, it's very simple what he, what he did there. He said, throw her down. So guess what happened? You guys read this. So they didn't even think about it. They threw, they must have been like, finally, Jezebel, dude, we were so tired of this woman. 
So they didn't even think twice about it. There's not like, are you sure? Guys, what do you think? We should do this? I don't know. Jezebel, I don't know. No, throw her down. <laughs> it says some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And Jehu trampled her under his horse's feet. You, might, you guys understand what's happening here? He is taking her out. She's on the ground. She fell. She's probably still alive. He's like, let's go, horse. And he tramples her. And then it says, man, this guy is savage. Here's the, here's, here's the deal. When you know the, God, the call of God on your life and you walk in the courage of heaven, this is how you respond. You're like, I know, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm not worried about it. God's called me and God's got my back. I'm not going to worry about what you think because God has me. Because if he said to go do it and I do it, he's going to cover me. That's it. And here's what it is. It says he goes in the house and has food. He eats. He tramples this woman. He goes probably to her house. It just says the house. He's like now in her house. He's like, I'm hungry. And it says he sits down and he eats and he drinks while Jezebel is lying on the ground, dying. He's not worried about it. I mean, this is, this is incredible to me. This is, this is like wild, right? And then it says, it says, this, he says to the, to, the, to the servants, now see this cursed woman, go and bury her. Because she's a king's daughter. What we see here is we see a little bit of empathy for Jezebel when God said, don't give her any. He's like, she's a king's daughter. We should bury her. But I remember the word of God said, she's not going to be buried. Do you remember that? So now sometimes even in our greatest intentions, we do things that are like, Oh, good. When God said, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to go there and do that thing. Well, God, but I'm doing it in your name and it's good for people. But he said, but actually I have something better for you. It's over here and it's going to be bigger and better. And it's what I need you to do. But God, this is so. No, do exactly what God said to do. Exactly. Don't deviate from the plan of God. He's smarter than you. And so Jehu's like, well, let's, she is a king's daughter after all. Go bury her. Let me tell you something about God's word. It's true. So it says this. They went to bury her, but they found nothing more than her skull and feet, her feet and the palms of her hands. God said she would not be buried. And it says they went and returned to Jehu. And he said, this is the word of the Lord. He said it. And the corpse of Jezebel will be as dung on the face of the field in the property of Jezreel. So they cannot say, this is Jezebel. This is what God does when he comes in and he takes over. He, he says, there's going to be no remnants of what you've done. There's going to be nothing that the next generation can hold on to and say, but look at that. He's like, there's no remnants of Jezebel because Jezebel is dead. Come on up. So this is where we are today. We're in a season where we have the choice to stand for righteousness and for stand 
for our children and our children's children and to say, I'm not going to bow to what you tell me to bow to. Now, we're going to do it in love. We're not going to, you know, we're not attacking you. Like, you're attacking us. But we're going to stand our ground, and we're not going to be quiet. You can't silence. They tried to silence us. Didn't work. They tried to silence us. They tried to mask us. They tried to... It didn't work. And so now, here's the question of the day. Go ahead and close your eyes. I believe that God is seeking a generation of Jehus to rise up in this hour. He's wooing us into the secret place to anoint us men, women, young men, and young women. Just as the prophets anointed Jehu, God is anointing his people and breathing courage into our lungs so that way we can stand in the face of Jezebel. This Jezebel today is trying to infiltrate the walls of God's churches and the hearts of God's people. This woke Jezebel mob is using seduction, manipulation, and control to entice us to bow to her and to the demands of her bail. But I have news for you, and I have news for the world. Jezebel is dead, and Baal is dead. God is alive, and God is well. So I'm going to ask you this question today. And if you, if you will stand with me as I ask this question, I want you to stand in your place. Here's the question. Will you be a Jehu? Will you rise up with courage? Will you rise up with righteous indignation against the plots of the enemies of God in this hour? Will you look into the face of the mob and declare, you can't have my kids because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And not only can't you have my children, you can't have my children's children. And not only can you not have my children's children, you can't have my children's children's children's. I will stand for righteousness. Come on, if that's you all around this room, you're standing. Come on, come on now, just release. Come on, just for a few moments, just release the sound of victory. Come on, release the sound of righteousness. Say, I'm going to stand up for what God says for me to stand up to. We are not going to bow. We are going to, now we're not going to, we're going to do everything in love. We're going to do everything in love. And everything we do, we're going to point to Jesus. Because it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So when we stand up and we fight, we fight from our knees. And so God, today, a Jehu generation will come and bow to you and say, what are our orders, God? Whatever you want us to do, we will do it. And we know we will do it with the backing of heaven and the love of a loving father. Listen, God's will is always for people to turn to him. 
This is what he does time after time after time. He's like, turn, turn to me. Turn your heart to me because my heart is for you. Come, come to me. It's my kindness that will leave you. But people decide to not do that. That's up to them. They choose that. But guess what? In their choosing, they, if they're trying to come and dictate to us how we're supposed to worship, if they're trying to dictate to us how I'm supposed to raise my kids, if they're trying to dictate to me what they're going to talk about in the classroom to my kids, I'm going to say, absolutely no. Not on my watch. Come on, this is God's church. Jehu generation. We bless you, God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, stir up that gift. Just stir that gift up within you a little bit. You know, there's... The, 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 keep, keep praying. I'm going to talk. Uh, a, a key part of this story is the prophetic word that was spoken. So come on, the prophets are rising. Uh, they're try, they've tried to silence the prophets over the last couple years because of prophetic... Um, because the prophecies that haven't come true. But that, that doesn't mean they're false prophets. I mean, they might have missed it. But God's prophets are rising up in this hour. And he's calling no-name prophets. Guys, it was not Elijah that gave the word of God. It was his servant. It was, it was a student. It was a no-name. We don't know the name of this prophet. He's raising up no-name prophets to come and deliver the word of God to Jehus. Come on, so release the prophetic now. Release the prophetic. Ya Rabason. We release the prophetic God. Rabason Doroba. Yeah, yeah. Rabason Torababa. Yeah, yeah. Release it. Release it. Release it. Release it. Release it. Release it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, Rabasota. Come on, right here. You are a young man who has such a prophetic call on your life. You know this. And God has called you to walk in purity, and you have done so. And he's saying, you're going to take the purity into the schools. And you're not going to bow. This message meant something to you, right? Because you are a Jehu. You're a young Jehu. Don't you think so? I know you are. And God, I'm encouraging you to, 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 to stay strong. To stay strong. In the face of this stuff, I can't imagine what it's like to go through high school today. I mean, I can't even imagine it. So we just release the purity of heaven over you, that you will never bow to anyone but Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> How's that feel? Amen. That's good. All right. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, that's it for me. Next week will be funny, I think. Be a funny message. I don't know. Guys, it's really easy just to do what God says to do. I mean, it's really not that hard. Because if you know his heart is for you, then you know everything he asks you to do is going to be amazing. I mean, he might say, and he's told me before, he, not in this, but gird up your loins. He might say, hey, listen, this is going to be tough, but you, you can do it because I'm going to be with you. But you just go do it. I'm going to, like, if God's defending you, then I mean, what? Like, who cares what people say about you? Amen. All right, that's it, I think. I was just, I was just testing the waters here. I'm getting hungry. All right, don't forget Wednesday. Hey.